I want you to know that I count it a precious privilege to get to talk about Jesus to the people in church. And so I just ask that you just give me leverage here. My book, my story, and my scripture comes from the book of Isaiah. And I picked this passage because it's it's Christmas. And um, I have to tell you that I did like four pages of history for you. But I don't think you're interested in that, <laughs> about how what happened during the time of Isaiah. But I can tell you that things don't change very much. Because in Isaiah's time, Many of the priests became drunken pleasers of men. The women forsook family and went out to do their own things. They tolerated pagan worship. They had secret places of worship. And so God, seeing this and knowing that he still had faithful people there in Israel and Judah and the surrounding regions, sent Isaiah with the prophecy. And it's sounding pretty familiar, isn't it? He wanted very much not only to say, I do not condone this behavior, but he wanted to give the faithful hope. And so he tells Isaiah, he gives him these words to prophesy when he said, For unto you a child is born, Unto you a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. As I said, he wanted to give his faithful people, the people who were devastated by what was going on in society at the time, hope, as well as condemning the activities of the unfaithful people. But with that in mind, and probably making you a little uneasy, let let me remind you that this is about Christmas. The lights are up all over the place. Our neighborhood is so pretty this year. Christmas music's on the radio, and the Hallmark Channel has Christmas movie after Christmas movie after Christmas movie. And Christmas is here, and its, its evidence is everywhere. In churches, we've decorated. We've had pageants. We had the best pageant. <clears throat> and music to the glory of God and to the one whose birth, whose Isaiah was telling us about and foretells. And it's all wonderful. And of course, it's here in the church that we hold sacred the real reason for Christmas. The unbelieving world worships they know not what. That's what Jesus told the woman at the well. But here in the church, we are the keepers of the truth, right? 
We're the ones that take time to meditate on the marvelous works of the Lord. We're the ones who sit in silent awe of the thought and meaning of Christmas. But just in case you haven't experienced that overwhelming joy of this wonderful gift of God yet, let's dwell for just a little while this evening on the meaning of it all. And I'm not sure I'm going to tell you anything that you've never heard before. But let's think about these things together. Isaiah prophesied the wonderful event and this wonderful one. Unto us a child is born, a baby, a vulnerable bundle. The coming one, Isaiah says, comes at a child and the key of the government will rest upon his shoulders. He's a child, yet he's a wonderful counselor. He's a son, but he's the father too. What a great mystery. Jesus asserted this too when he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. The names here, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. They're more attributes than they are names. But let's take them one by one. Wonderful. Not just wonderful counselor, though he is that, but just wonderful. I remember when I fell in love with Jesus I was 16 years old and how wonderful he seemed in my heart and mind that time. He was my redeemer, my savior, my forgiver, my rescuer, my hero. The mighty maker of the universe had come and rescued me. And I knew I was saved, bought with a price, loved and cherished by the Holy One of God. I knew he was wonderful, but really, I didn't have any idea how wonderful he was at the time. That takes time to know that more deeply, and I'm still learning. But let me tell you that his words are wonderful. His word created all that is, everything. They are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. I read them and my heart is stirred and I know in my spirit that they are truth and life and light. (coughs) Remember what Peter said when Jesus asked if they would turn away like so many of the others had when Jesus had spoke hard words to them? What did he say? He said, where shall we go? You have the words of life. And so they are wonderful words of life. His works are wonderful. They were wonderful when he walked on earth as a man, healing, teaching things of the wonderful kingdom that he governs giving people spiritual and physical sight, releasing them from the grasp of the evil one. But they, his works, were wonderful before that. He created the world. 
this universe. Nothing was made that he didn't make. That's what it tells us in John. Everything is held together by his word. Before all of creation, he was there. And his works are wonderful now. He still saves. He still heals. He still teaches and delivers and loves right now. How wonderful. How wonderful is his love toward you and me. How wonderful was his purpose in leaving his glory and becoming a man. It says he came to destroy the works of the devil. His purpose was the rescuing, the redeeming of creation. Not just you, not just me, not just all of mankind, but his entire creation. He wanted it back. So in his wonderful divine plan, he purposed to be born a baby, grow into a man, and take the kingdom by force and forgive and raise a fallen world. And he did it. How wonderful. He forgives us for all our sin, all our error, all our faults. He forgives us and restores us. If you've never been in despair, you probably have no idea how wonderful he is. It's in the deep, overwhelming, crushing events in life that Jesus reveals to the aching heart just how wonderful he is. This is a hard time of year for some people because it's to the one who is reeling in sorrow that he comforts in the sweetest way. It's to the one crushed by the huge waves of despair and distress that he speaks calm to the storms in your life. It's to the heart burdened by the cares of life and family and friend when he says, come unto me. It's then, dear ones, that you know how wonderful Jesus is. To the heart that is broken, broken and the circumstances are blinding you to tomorrow, that he whispers, have faith. That song, isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Now, he is counselor. And boy, what a huge job he has in that capacity. But dear ones, imagine... Just imagine, we Christians not only have access to, but he bids us to come to him for counsel. He never gives wrong or erroneous counsel. He knows exactly what we need to heal our soul, to guide our path, to grow in grace and knowledge. He knows exactly the course of action to take, exactly the source of the problem. 
and he's never wrong. He's all wise and all good, and he's willing to give that counsel to you. Even when we come to him for guidance and plead our case for action on his part, he knows the real problem and the real solution. And sometimes we think the problem is one thing and he knows it's something else. Without his counsel, we would just treat the symptoms and not the real cause as so many people do. He's all-knowing and all-wise, and He's willing to counsel you on the issues of your life. He's willing to tell you the truth in love, even when it hurts. And then, precious Jesus is willing to heal that hurt. Forgive your shortcomings and guide you on a path of righteousness that leads you to real joy. He is indeed a wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Yes, the baby that was born in Bethlehem was God. The mighty God. I was reading that this term has military implications, that he is mighty in battle. And he has done battle for you. Indeed, he has already battled the forces of evil for your soul, and he has emerged from the depths of hell as a victor over sin and death. Praise his holy name. The battle has been won for those who will receive it. He was wounded in that battle for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And he bears the scars of a brutal beating for our healing. He was not vanquished. He was victorious. And if you are a Christian... He imparts to you the power to win those battles you will fight with the enemy. He is mighty God, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What a mighty God we serve. There is no battle you face that he cannot win. Everlasting Father, This speaks of several things. First, Jesus' place in time. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He always was. He always will be. He is everlasting and his kingdom is forever. And Father, just so you will know that the one who entered into time from eternity is indeed God, Isaiah prophesies that He is the Father. They are of the same substance. He comes from the bosom of the Father. And that substance is Father-like. The world that hates God will fear Him 
as judge. When they hear that he will establish his kingdom with justice and judgment, like we just read, from henceforth, even forever, the unrepentant heart trembles. And if it doesn't, it should. But those who have citizenship in his kingdom approach the throne as a child would go to his father that loves him, not fearing his power, but as one who relies on that power and authority for their own security, identity, and respect and all that one so strong, so powerful, so mighty, so loves that child. My father died 50 years ago, and I still miss him. And there were so many things that I admired about my daddy. But my heavenly father is still there, still loving me, still fighting battles for me, still whispering words of wisdom to my heart, and he always will. Prince of Peace. Before considering what that Christian peace is, it may be well to remark that the first result of becoming a Christian is not peace, but discord with the world. It says so in Matthew 10:34. Revival sparks persecution. <laughs> It's not your faith that's responsible for this, but it's because the world's spiritual error is almost always blind, bigoted, pitiless, and cruel. So when you become a Christian, you are at enmity with the world, but better put, the world is at enmity with you. Don't be surprised. The world will not applaud your faith. Your peace is with God. Your peace is in your circumstances. Your peace is in a heart that knows full well that all things work together for your good. Your peace is knowing that your eternity is secure and that your life is overseen and guided by one on whose shoulder rests the eternal spiritual government under which you now live as a Christian. Have you ever longed for peace? Sometimes the cares of this world tear away at our peace and we cry out to the Lord, Lord, give me peace. And he does. Isaiah says that those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Isaiah says that they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. Peace, even in death. He said, peace I give you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Need peace? Ask Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. This baby Jesus, the one of whom we sing, and the one whom we worship, 
at Christmas, came into a dark world, fallen, full of error, where the chosen people had fallen into dreary regiment of formalism, dead rules, and burdensome regulations, stiff-necked pride, spiritual arrogance, thinly-veiled sin and error. The Gentile world was full of idolatry and every kind of sin and evil. In some respects, for a lot of people, things haven't changed very much. (coughs) He shined light on the error and sin and exposed it. Not to hurt those in the darkness, but to release them from its grip. Are you walking in the light? Are you still in fatal error? Let me remind you that Jesus wants to free you from any darkness gripping you. He wants to be your wonderful counselor, your mighty God, the everlasting Father, your Prince of Peace. It's Christmas time. The baby grew up and became the Savior. He's still the Savior, and we rightly celebrate his birth. And as we do, dear ones, remember him. So, sing the songs, give the gifts, make the goodies, love on your loved ones, But to you may he be wonderful. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. His word is sure. Amen.